welcome to Brave Heart Talks. I'm super excited that you have tuned in today because I have got the lovely Susie Kennedy with me and many of you will remember Susie from the time that she was up at Braveheart, probably around about a year ago now. And um, Susie, you probably recognize her. Maybe you're like, have I seen you in a different life? She is um, a public figure. She is the world's best Marilyn Monroe lookalike. I know you travel the world as Marilyn. You are uber busy. You're doing um, all sorts of studies and counseling right now. You're involved in Women Alive UK, um, which is a fast growing magazine. And you are also, you have your own podcast as Marilyn and me, am I right? And so just so much about you, Susie. And I know you're here, there and everywhere and dividing yourself into so many pieces. And you are a comedian as well. She always makes me laugh. (laughs) And so I just want to say thank you for taking time out and joining us on the Braveheart Talks podcast today. Oh, you're welcome. It's good to be here. Susie, I'm super thankful for you coming on this podcast. And we're going to talk around this subject today, moving past your past. So welcome. And I know just from conversation that we've had in the past and conversation that we talked about um, when you were with us, um, a little bit about your story and some of the things that you've had to learn to deal with and move on from. So maybe in a little bit of a synopsis, you could give us a little bit of a story about maybe a portion of your past, a piece that um, you really had to work at moving on from. Yeah, um, sadly, I think my story can be relatable to a lot of people. And I say sadly, because when I've said my story or people have heard it like at Braveheart, and um, by the way, I did my hair just especially for you. So people remember that who, who's it? <laughs> this woman with the Marilyn hair. Yeah, she got Marilyn. And I've, I've worn your You've top. got your hoodie. You've got your hoodie got on. Hoodie. Oh, these are great, by the way. I've got both of them, the black one and the white one. Um, So sadly, a lot of people came up to me after I heard my story and um, related to it, which I say sadly because I was a victim of child molestation by um, my stepfather from the age of 12. And he overtook my life until I was 27. And it was long-term systematic abuse to the point where you don't even realise you're in abuse. That is just your life. Uh, after it, I got my freedom. I say my freedom because that's what it feels like. My abuser was put into prison where he later committed suicide. And then a few years later, I was diagnosed with cervical cancer, stage three. Um, and the prognosis wasn't good. But I now look back on that and realise, talking to doctors, that cancer was probably caused by trauma that you hold in the body. Because although your mind may disconnect and disassociate, your body keeps the score of the trauma. So that probably caused a start of cervical cancer. Anyway, my cancer got cured. I had chemotherapy, radiotherapy and brachytherapy, which is an internal radiotherapy. And three months later, after I got the all clear, it had come back. It spread my paraiotic lymph nodes. And obviously, once it spreads so quickly, the prognosis isn't that great they gave me like a 20 percent chance of it not reoccurring within five six years anyway I've been six years clear this year 
And so quite a lot has happened. And in between all that, I've had to fly around the world pretending I'm happy as Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) 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 And that's why I say it's relatable to so many girls because cancer, I think, is prevalent, sadly. Sadly, I think maybe not abuse as long as I had it, but abuse, you don't count for how long it went on for. It can be once, it can be, it's equally as, as devastating to lives can be. So, and sadly, a lot of girls relate to that as well. So, yeah. That's powerful. Even just what you've said there, you know, the fact that when you hold on to a trauma, how it affects your physical body. And I don't think many of us really pay attention to that. And, you know, the, I know the Bible talks about how bitterness, it affects us. It rots our bones. It doesn't affect the person that you're actually bitter towards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so actually holding on to some of the, um, the atrocities of the past, it actually, when you hold on to it, it it's like it's eating you from the inside out. And it has a really negative effect on your physical body as well as your mental health, right? Yeah. And um, and it affects decisions. Of course. And this is the thing. So when you're holding a trauma, you can disconnect from it. There's a really good book I'd like to recommend, actually. It's not a Christian book. It's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's written by a psychologist doctor. It's a very, very famous book. Um, and it talks about the body keeping the score of different traumas that you feel. And you can even disconnect from them. You can think, oh, I'm over that. But your because your mind is telling you that, but your body is still suppressing it. And there's so much about being like a girl boss and being strong and things that women are told to do now. Or we can be really, really weak. There's And there's an in-between of actually going, no, I can be strong, but here's my weakness as well. And that's why I love Jesus. Jesus is my hero because he showed us both of those sides. This is a man that showed that you can be strong and have weakness. And the two can come together. You don't have to always be strong and you don't have to always give up. There's a, there's a balance. And if you have balance, your body will be happy. That's such good advice. So it's just being real in the presence of Jesus. We don't have to fake it and pretend and, you know, put on that mask of everything's fine. If it's not fine, it's okay not to be fine. And one of the things that I'd like to ask you, I know that you said, um, you know, um, the, the person who caused pain and affliction on you that he was imprisoned and he later took his own life. And I think one of the things that many girls wrestle with is how do I move past my past when I know I'm never going to get an apology? Because some people think that their freedom is in the, you know, the perpetrator apologizing to them. And so what, what, what would you sort of say to that, like the importance of moving on, even though you know you're not going to get an apology? And I think that's, that's a really valid question. And I think it's a really valid point when people feel, I want that person to say sorry for what they did to me. Yeah. And we've seen it recently with Harry and Meghan. They want an apology. They don't want money. They want an apology, right? Yeah. Apologies mean a lot to people. But as a Christian, I... I always go back to the Bible because we get caught up in today's world of demanding things. I need this to be better. It really rests with us and my own way of never getting that apology from my abuser. And also they didn't, I recently settled a case because they didn't look at my smear test correctly. That's right. Right. So 
I didn't get an apology. I got the case, but they don't apologize. They they apologize via financial, and it wasn't a lot. I won't be buying your church yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it but the, the the actual person who hurt you saying sorry, you may never get. But even if you did get it, this is the two things. It's all in you. Because if you take the forgiveness of sin, Jesus, I wasn't born when Jesus forgave my sins. I wasn't there. But he forgave me. He knew that I would make mistakes. And I made a lot of them. And when you forgive someone who's harmed you, it's something in you. I, I forgave my abuser. I forgave the person that didn't read the, the slide properly. I haven't contacted them and told them I forgive you. One's dead and I don't know the other one. But when you forgive and you just go, you know, I'll never get that. I know what happened to me was wrong. I forgive that person. And when you forgive someone, it doesn't mean you have to hang out with them and them for your best so friend. So true. Right? Forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. Yes. Forgiveness means freeing yourself of that pain to go, it's happened. I will never get that forgiveness. I will never get, but, but God, God knows. Like he says to us, let justice be mine. Yeah. You, we don't have to get that. And we won't always get, sorry, it's my dog. We won't always get that <laughs> apology. But if we don't, if we hold on to that, it will eat us away inside. I think it will eat you away. That's so true. And I think a lot of mistakes I think that people make is that people think about the forgiveness. They put the focus so much on the the person who's offended them or hurt them. And I think the focus of forgiveness needs to be on yourself. It's like you set you free rather than putting the demand and waiting on somebody else to set you free. Um, you and you're giving ha- you them power. To do the letting- yes. Yeah, you're you giving are. them power by me needing my abuser or anyone else to to, to apologize to me, I'm giving them the power to change me. Yeah. They've done enough to you. They've hurt you. They've, they've, they could have robbed you, raped you, beat you. And you're re-giving them the power saying, I demand you apologize, demand yeah. you apologize yeah. to me. I need that apology. Don't give them any more power. They've taken so much. You don't need their apology. You need to work with you and go, I forgive them because you, that's your power. And that's what I've done. My power is in me. Jesus told me that. He lives in me. I'm transformed by him. God forgives. He doesn't demand apologies. He'll say he wants repentance. I'm a bit different on that. I've been studying the early church and I'm not into all this. We had to come to him. He came to rescue us from sin. He knew that we were sinners. He held the power, not us. Yeah, absolutely so true there. And I think what we do is we just put our life in a suspended limbo. And like, we can't move forward. We can't get on. We can't progress. Because like you said, we're waiting and we're putting in a demand on somebody else and still giving them the power over our life. So I've got to tell you, I just had to look down. There's a great quote and it's not, but I know every. Bible thing. I talk to my friends, they're like, is this from the Bible? Of course it is. But this one isn't from the Bible, believe it or not. And it's from uh, Maya Angelou. And I really love this because I was thinking, what is that quote that really good? And it says, you may not control all of the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. I've used that before. I love that. I love that. Like your identity is not in what happened to you. Hmm. And I think so often 
we let ourselves to be defined by them. I think one of the things as well that we all do as women is that we can develop unhealthy coping mechanisms and it's a default that we default into. And so when you are struggling to move past a past trauma um, or an event or something that has happened to you, you develop these coping mechanisms that in some way can be equally as unhealthy. How would we like identify them in ourselves? You know, like um, a habit that we've fallen into in a routine or, or something that we do. Um, h- how would you identify that in yourself that actually you've replaced that with that and it's not, it's not great? Well, it's, it's weird you ask that question because obviously, you know, I'm doing a counselling degree, right? I'm in my second year Absolutely. in my counselling degree with theology. But we're, we're doing what I would call defence mechanisms, layman terms, but it's, it's really called like resistance and all these defence mechanisms come underneath it. And there's like 20 of them. And one of them really resonated with me and it was acting out. And acting out is a defence mechanism from trauma. So all these things are when you're traumatised, you resist. So one of them's acting out. So it could be acting out sexually. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm reclaiming my power. I'm going to sleep around. I'm going to blow up my phone with different boys because it makes me feel better about myself. And it's it's not really making yourself feel better. It's 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 a false sense of power because you're reducing yourself. Or I'm going to go and get drunk because it's and and I've just done a, a thing about alcohol and uh, studying a lot of women in AA, and a lot of women said alcohol gives them a false sense of reclaiming their power back. So they. And I, this, I identify with this. I'm not going to talk women as they, me included. I can go out and feel confident about myself when I'm drunk. I can sleep with someone when I'm drunk because if I had to sleep with them sober, I'd be conscious of my body. I'd be conscious of my trauma coming back. I'm frightened. I'm a little bit frightened. And it's a lot better to just have a drink and you'll feel fine. I'm scared to go to this party. Am I wearing the right outfit? Does my bum look big in this? Rubbish. I'll have a drink. And all the and these are all ways that if you've got trauma can play out in bad addiction of drinking, sleeping around, having multiple boyfriends or contacts. And it's something we see in the in the modern world that is dressed up as empowering. And it's not. And all power to if you if you think it is, but I've walked that street, I've walked that road. And in the long term, the only thing that turned my life around was God and finding my worth. Because then I thought, no, I don't want to be drunk in a club, different guys and different guys blowing up my fire. I'm worth more than this. But at that moment, it was saying that I was powerful. I'm an independent woman. It's such a lie. The devil's a good liar. So really, you know, in that sense, it's pride, isn't it? It's And pride will not allow you to feel and move on but pride will make you camouflage and believe I can be better than this bigger than the situation if I just do x y and z so so yeah that that yeah I I can really see that as you speak it out I can see how that operates and fleshes out in many different ways eating would be another one like they, I'll just go and find my my comfort in food 
alcohol, sex, all of those things, shopping, you know, shop, 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 because it's really, it's going to, it's an unhealthy habit that is really disguising a pain that we're hiding. And it's self-soothing. We we call it self-soothing in counselling. So food can be self-soothing. I mean, I remember Oprah Winfrey said that when she ate, it felt like an internal hug. Oh, yeah. Which... I really relate to, you know, some of those things, oh, I've had a really bad day at work. I just want to go home and eat a whole tub of Ben and Jerry's. Because <laughs> yeah. what that yeah. is, is that is internally hugging you and making you feel better. So food and shopping, oh, I'm going to have something. I mean, I remember someone saying that I get excited because the Amazon man turns up. <laughs> I can't even remember what I bought. But it's, <laughs> it's opening, that feeling of opening a parcel, getting something. Yeah, It's still soothing. It's making it better. And it's until I just, I saw actually just saw a, a fantastic video of Michelle Obama. Now, you couldn't get more successful than Michelle Obama. She's a first lady. And she said, every day, my husband tells me an affirmation about how beautiful I am, how intelligent I am, how much I love him. And I don't believe it. This is Michelle Obama, right? And she said, I don't believe it. And what I've realized is I've got to work on myself. I've got to start loving myself because it can't come from anyone else. And that's, that's what I realized. And I felt like writing to Michelle Obama and saying, I know one person it can come from, and that's Jesus. Because I tell you what, I couldn't do it myself. I tried all the other ways, the shopping, the eating, the drinking, sleeping around. I've tried all them. I'm quite open about that, you know. And I thought, what changed in me? Because I still slipped. I don't think you're going to get baptized and you're going to be fantastic. Now I'm bordering, I'm bordering on it now. <laughs> I'm making less mistakes. I'm like, yeah, we're getting there, Jesus. But it was literally the transformation of having the true self, which is how you are in Christ. Because once you are in Christ, you know exactly who you are. You're a child of God. He made you individually, your own fingerprint. You're completely unique. Your DNA is unique. Your fingerprint's unique. You don't need trust in a human. That's why she's saying, I don't believe Barack Obama. She does, really. He's a human. He might change. God never changes. You are loved. You are valuable in Christ. And he doesn't change. So good. I love that because I don't think there's a woman that could not identify with what you've just said there about indulging in the wrong thing, trying to make themselves feel better about some place that they're hurting and how that it is. It is only God. And I think, you know, you and I, we've, we've talked about past experiences and we both know what it is just to be held in the arms of Jesus. And there is no other fix out there. No other person or thing is ever going to make you feel whole ever apart from Jesus. I love mm. that. And I guess. And I read it. I, I read it so much and so, I get frustrated, especially in counseling, because there is genuine things. Therapy does help you. I'm not disrespect because I think therapy is great I think everyone needs it not to sound like an American but true therapy I don't mean there's certain things I don't think you know that should be going on but true exploring your feelings and your reactions very CBT very cognitive but at the end of that if you it is in you but I just think Christ makes it glue he's the glue yeah absolutely absolutely One of the things that we do as women is we create our own um, negative loop. We get stuck in um, cycles of um, 
thinking this thinking repetitive thoughts and it's really easy I think when um when we've been through an experience, when we've been through a trauma, when we've been through something, it's almost like, you know, when you have a down day and you want to go and comfort eat. And we talked about that earlier, but you can have negative loops in your mind that they are thought patterns that come around time and time again, that you find it difficult to break the cycle. And once you get into the cycle of that thought pattern, it takes you spiraling. It's as though that thing that happened to you has just happened to you again. Um, what what sort of things could you say or what have you found helpful to break the cycle of negative negativity that loops around your mind time and time again? Mm. Do you know what? I, I found out something about myself and it was quite interesting. And I later saw it um, done on Netflix with Jonah Hill. And it was something about the trauma that happens to you. If you can actually remember when that trauma happened, it will be something about the person. To me, it was a 14-year-old girl, it was, I realised it was me, that was disconnected in me. So there was like two people living in me. This person that was like, you're not good enough. Why are you doing this? And it didn't actually come from outside. It came from inside. So if someone said to me, you know, why do you feel that? I'd be like, I don't know. I just feel like it's like imposter syndrome. And sometimes being a Marilyn helped me because I could escape with a different identity. And these thought patterns, I realized, was actually my inner voice that was sabotaging myself. And it came from that point of that trauma. So I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but it was kind of making friends with that voice that hated me. It sounds really strange, but to go, why are you upset? <laughs> what is going on? And it's like, are you frightened? It's, it sounds like I'm talking to myself, but it's a real cognitive thing. Yeah, I'm frightened. I feel like it's going to go wrong. Okay, let's look at why we think it's going to go wrong. And it's like coaching yourself. And some people go, isn't that schizophrenia? No, it's not. It's literally coaching yourself because people are telling you you're fine. And you're like, I don't feel fine because it's the person inside you saying that I'm scared. I'm not fine. And that's why you block it out with treats and self-comforting because it's your own, your own insecurity and your own fear that's stopping you moving forward. That's, it really is because it's, doesn't matter how many times Emma will say to you, you're fine, you look great, we love you, you're talented, whatever anyone was saying to you, if you don't believe it, if there's something in you that, whether it's come from an abuser, whether it's come from some experience in your life that has told you, I'm not valuable, I'm stupid, I'm not clever, nobody really loves me, you're telling yourself that. And no matter how many times you hear it, so you've got to make friends with that side of yourself and say, what is going on in me? Let me really, and that's, it's the work on yourself. And that's why I think Jesus is so important because he created you individually and he thought you were worthy of being here. So you've got one person who made you, made you, knew you before you were even on this planet and will know you when you leave this planet. So you can start working with Jesus on the value he sees in you. And then believe it or not, you'll start thinking, hang on, no, I, I, I did do this well. Maybe what people are saying about me is true, that you know I am good at this or I am valuable. But until you see it in yourself, there was nothing. I was a top Marilyn Monroe lookalike. I could go on. Like, I'm going on TV now on Saturday, right? I don't know when you're releasing this, but it's Saturday. I'm on national TV. Now the old me would be like, oh, someone's noticed me. Oh, this is so fantastic. Oh, this client loves me. But inside, 
I didn't feel it. But finally, I don't need outside validation because and it's not being arrogant. It's just going, no, I'm worth something. When all my hair falls out, when I'm an old lady and I can't get out of bed, I'm exactly the same in God's eyes. I am loved and I love me and I love the fact that I've got through what I've got through. And that's what I'd say to people to overcome is really love you. And I don't mean love you because you've got new lips or got yeah. <laughs> hair extension. Really love you if, if all the hair extensions dried up. You can go, I don't care because you know what? I love me. Yeah. I love yeah. me. I'm all right. It's because- the enemy. Yeah, I did this. Um, I remember I did a message once and I called it the enemy enemy. And Ooh. it's, you know, because so often we think that the enemy is, you know, it's the out there, the way people look at me, the way people judge me, the way this. And I think the greatest enemy you have is enemy. And so, you know, we, I loved what you said there, you know, it's almost like question yourself. It's like interrogate yourself. Why are you thinking what you're thinking? You know, and, and what's that thought going to benefit you? And, 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 and the thoughts that you're making today and the decisions that you're making today, are they taking you into the future that you picture or are they taking you back to the place where you've come from? And where's it coming from? from? I, I, yeah. Where is this com- and there's a really interesting thing that I've studied recently. Um, it's by a psychologist called Melanie Klein and it's called internalized projection. So what happens is you think that, oh, I think that that girl in school or that woman in church, I don't think she likes me very much. And then you're like, have you ever spoke to this woman? No. (laughs) Like, I just get this vibe, right? Now, that could be true. But I would say 99% of the time, it's your belief in yourself that you project on somebody else and think, you might look at them and think, "They're, they're really popular, they would not see value in me. They're prettier than me or more successful than me. I'm not worthy. So so they're thinking things, but it's really you thinking it and projecting it onto them and making it about them. And then there's that meme when people go, oh, when I first met you, I thought you were a B-I-T-C-H, right? (laughs) And now you're my best friend. Because usually that is because you thought that about that person. So it's really your insecurity being projected. And then you got to know them like, oh, wow, they're really cool. Because it's our... It's our hate of ourselves and our disrespect for ourselves and our unworthiness that we go, this person's got everything and it's not fair. So it comes out in jealousy, it comes out in vengefulness. So all the things you think is going on around you, when you project jealousy, they become the perpetrator of it. But really, it's some of it's coming from your hurt because you've been hurt. Mm. And I think us girls are just, we do, we're the best at it and we're the worst at it for creating scenarios in our yes. mind of things that have not happened and probably never will happen. We imagine, um, you know, we, we create stories around people that we're just seeing passing on the street and, and we've like literally got their, their, their whole life down. And we make a judgment call according to the appearance of, you know, what, what, what we see and, you know, yeah, it's, we are, we are, we are. But it's human. For it. Yeah, it is. It's it human. is human. It's in it's the human. Bible. It is when, human. When Jesus, when, when Mary turned up to walk through and the disciples said, do you know who she is? Do you know about her? They were making, they were, uh, they're disciples. We've got to look up to the disciples. We're like, yeah. wow, the disciples are amazing. Yeah. Well, they weren't very amazing yeah. then. And what did Jesus say? Come to me. You are my daughter. So we've got to be like Christ. We've got to work on ourselves. We've got to empty ourselves like Jesus did. He emptied himself, empty ourselves of these traumas and work through them. 
Why am I feeling like it's about myself? What's the truth about myself? Get Jesus, get therapy, and you will get on because this is a beautiful world. God wants you to succeed. God doesn't want you trapped with devil's lies and lies about yourself. He sees your value. You are valuable. You're here. The fact that you're here is a billion to one chance. You're valuable. God wants you to succeed. And with him, with therapy, with great people around you, work on those things because you, I can just tell you it's a beautiful journey and it's bumpy and it's it's a bit scary, but the end is Oh, do you know what, Susie? I absolutely love how you've just rounded that off there, just saying it's a bit bumpy and it's a bit scary. And even the fact that you just brought Mary into the equation there, because I know that not so long ago you interviewed um, Elizabeth Tabish, Tabish, how'd you say her surname? Yeah, Tabish. Tabish. And she, just for those of you who don't know, if you haven't watched The Chosen, you need to watch The Chosen. And she plays Mary Magdalene. And boy, does she play a good Mary Magdalene. And you got to, and that podcast is still available to listen yeah, you to, can, right? You can look at it on my on my Instagram. But I've got to tell you how that, they wrote me and they said, would you mind? Would I mind? <laughs> you, you should have seen, I was running around and then she followed me back and she had a nice little chat with me saying how nice it was. Like, And it was just, I just, I, I just thank God for that blessing. And I was like, thank you, God, because she's the character. Everyone goes on about Jesus, the guy who you. But to me, if I could pick a person to interview, it'd be Mary, because so, yeah. so many of us women identify with her. And she, the actress, has had her own struggles and such an amazing woman to look to because she was she was an alcoholic herself. So mm. yeah, amazing woman. Listen, girls, get 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 on Susie's Instagram and go and watch that because you know, right? Mary Madeline had her own story, just like Susie said, and you know, has to had to deal with pain and trauma. But um, Susie, I just want to say thank you so much for jumping on this podcast. Thank you for encouraging all the girls. And Braveheart really looks forward to the day that we have you back again. And um, you're going to try. I'm and coming. I'm coming to the. I'm coming to the um, gathering. I'm coming. I'm going to be there in May. Unless I've got an exam or a counselling client, I'm, I'm going to be praying against that right now. She's going to be at a conference. I can't wait to I see am. her. You can't wait to see her, Susie Kennedy. We love you dearly. All from Liverpool. God bless.